This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialists. Good morning. In today's headlines, it's been close to two weeks since a train derailment spit, spilled toxic chemicals in Ohio, and residents want answers about the potential health risks they might be facing. Find out what went down at the town meeting yesterday. A Black Hawk helicopter crashes in Alabama. The Tennessee National Guard members aboard are killed. We share what's known so far about the accident. Will Tesla become the universal filling station of the future for electric vehicles? A new move welcoming competitors to its charging network might help it do just that. A security vulnerability found across Apple devices that caught the attention of a U.S. Department of Homeland Security agency. Find out how Apple responds and what action users should take to protect themselves. And some newly released footage of the Titanic taken close to 40 years ago. The footage marks the 25th anniversary of James Cameron's Oscar-winning and recently remastered film Titanic. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning. I'm Evelyn Lee. Today's Thursday, February 16th. And we're starting off with news out of Alabama. A Black Hawk helicopter from the Tennessee National Guard crashed there yesterday. The two crew members aboard were killed. The crash happened on Highway 53 in Alabama near the border with Tennessee. No one on the ground was hurt, luckily. Fire and large plumes of black smoke could be seen rising from the crash site. The accident happened during a training mission around 3 p.m. local time. The sheriff's office said the area had been taped off and that the crash was causing heavy traffic delays. Delays were expected to last until today. It's not clear what caused the crash. Federal and local authorities are investigating. And over in Texas, there was a shooting in El Paso yesterday. It happened at the Cielo Vista Mall near a food court. One person was killed, three were injured. An off-duty police officer who was working security at the mall took one suspect into custody. Multiple law enforcement agencies responded to several 911 calls around 5 p.m. local time. A second suspect was later apprehended. Police say there's no longer a threat to the public. Two out of the three people hospitalized are listed in critical condition. Right now, it's still unclear what led to the shooting. The FBI has created a website to help with the investigation. People can submit any photos or video they might have of the incident. And now we're moving on to Ohio for some updates on the recent trail derailment. Hundreds of angry residents packed into a high school gym yesterday. They are seeking answers to what health dangers they might be facing from toxic chemicals that spilled. And today's Daniel Monahan has more on their concerns. East Palestine Mayor Trent Conaway said he wanted to help provide some reassurance for the nearly 5,000 citizens of his town and hold those responsible for the train derailment accountable. I have the village on my back and I'll do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to make this right. They screwed up our town, they're going to fix it. If they don't, I'll be the first one calling all you back to do this all over again. But Conaway believes the course of action authorities took was the right one. We either detonate those tanks or they detonate themselves. This option, yes, harmful chemicals went in the air. 
I'm truly sorry, but that is the only option we had. If we didn't do that, then they were going to blow up and we were going to throw shrapnel all across this town. Norfolk Southern officials did not attend the meeting, saying they feared violence. The fire from the derailment sent a cloud of smoke over East Palestine. Thousands were forced to evacuate. Railroad crews drained and burned off a toxic chemical from five tanker cars. Residents were then allowed to return to their homes on February 8th. Much remains unknown of the dangers posed by the toxins. There's just too many chemicals and stuff that were spilled. Many in the area have complained of headaches and irritated eyes and noted that chickens, fish and other wildlife have died off. Despite that, state health officials have insisted that East Palestine is a safe place to be. Ohio state officials say a plume of pollution in the Ohio River is moving at one mile per hour. But they say cities in the plume's path can turn off their drinking water intakes as it floats by. They've also said that drinking water tests have not raised concerns and normal water treatment would remove any small amounts of contaminants that may exist. Railroad union officials said they warned such an accident could happen because railroad cost-cutting harmed safety measures. But Norfolk Southern says its record has been trending safer. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. And just yesterday, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine announced that water testing results are fine. He says the water in the East Palestine municipal system is safe to drink and no contaminants were detected. But many residents don't buy it. Lincoln Jay, a video journalist with Rebel News, is currently on site. He tells us what the situation is like. When you do these types of projects, you look online and you see, uh, you do some research and you see certain videos and you can only really tell what's happening when you get on the ground here. And just driving around the town, if you turn off the TV and you don't have internet and you're just walking around, everything seems normal. People are going about their day-to-day -day lives. But it's when you start digging a little bit deeper, when you start talking to the locals and you start talking to the residents here, you see that it's not, it's not back to normal and many of them are, are very, very concerned. Can you please go into a little bit more detail also, you know, about the discrepancy you mentioned between the videos that you see um, on air online and versus what you have experienced there? Yeah, so, so it's tough because a lot of the videos you see online are from the actual derailment, right? And when they actually slow release the chemicals. So you see a lot of action from that, but you don't see too much of the day-to-day -day life and, and what the people are dealing with. And I think the bottom line is a lot of the locals here, a lot of the residents, they feel like they're not being told the truth and they feel like it isn't safe to be here right now. But a lot of them, they just, they don't really have a choice, whether it's they have a mortgage, whatever the case may be. A lot of them are, are simply stuck here and there's, there's really nowhere else to go. So they're in a tough spot. And like I said, although the evacuation order has been lifted, they they don't seem to think that they should be here, but they have no choice. Right. The evacuation order has been lifted um, now a week ago. Now, are most people back in, in East Palestine? Are people mostly back home again, or are they still out um, trying to, to stay away? Well, from what we're seeing on the ground, it looks like a lot of people have returned. When you're driving around the village and you go by a lot of the houses, you see a lot of lights on, you see a lot of cars in the driveway. But at the same time, 
you hear from people are just, you know, we spoke with one with one lady who was with her child, her young child, and the child was experiencing rashes from being here in the village. So they they were just running into their house, grabbing some stuff, and they were heading back to, to the grandma's house. So it's it, it's just really tough. It's really tough to gauge w what is really going on, and, and we're just going to have to see it, wait and see what happens. What else do the residents there tell you about, you know, the air and soil and water worries? Well, it's 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 tough because when you're driving around the village, you, there's a lot of creeks, there's a lot of ponds that run through the village, and you see a lot of, I guess, I don't know the exact name for the workers, but they're doing some sort of water maintenance. I don't know if it's aeration or, or what they're doing exactly, but it seems like they're trying to, to clean the water. But there's no advisory saying to stay away from the water, nothing to stay away from the food. It's pretty much like they're like the authorities are just trying to make it seem like life has returned back to normal but i think the bottom line comes down to the residents don't feel the same way so what's their main worry they're worried about the health the like like what you're seeing online like what you're hearing online they're worried about the potential health hazards that can come from this and the weird thing about these health hazards is you're not gonna it's nothing you can see or nothing you're gonna really feel right away yeah we've heard some reports of people having their eyes burning and uh, sore throat coughing but a lot of the major effects will come down the road and i think that's what they're most frightened about is just the uncertainty but like i said earlier a lot they just don't have a choice really they, they have to be here they don't they don't have anywhere else to go so i feel like a lot of them just have the mindset that unfortunately they have to deal with it Wow, I see. And um, you just mentioned some had experienced rashes. And do you personally have felt any physical responses from being there? No, I have not felt anything. It's weird because when when you're in these uh, when you're in this kind of environment, the placebo effect starts to creep in, and you start to think you might be feeling something. But honestly, I feel completely fine. My producer here has been fine. For the most part, all the locals we're speaking to don't have any visible or they're not they're not telling us about any sort of rashes or any sort of irritations. The only one instance is the, the mother who was with her young child and they ultimately had to take the child out of the village because she kept on getting rashes. So it's, it's, it's like I said, it's really hard to gauge what's happening. Right, um, for sure. Let's let's keep our eyes on that also in the coming weeks. So thank you so much, Lincoln Jay. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. If I could just plug in our website, ohioexplosion.com. That's the website we're using to, to post all of our content. We have some really interesting videos coming out on that website. So it's ohioexplosion.com. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you. A large homeless camp near the White House is no more. National Park Service employees cleared the encampment out yesterday. About 50 tents in McPherson Square were disposed of. Around 60 people were told to leave. Those who refused were warned they could be arrested. At least two took them up on that offer. Some advocates feel the city hasn't done enough to help the homeless find shelter. There is no plan. The plan is people are going to be displaced. There are still tents. There are still people living here who don't know where they're going to sleep tonight. D.C. has thousands of housing resources that can be used to end homelessness. But instead, D.C. has chosen to focus our energy on evicting encampments. We need to clear the backlog of vouchers, not clear encampments. The National Park Service planned to clear the square in April, but that deadline was moved up by two months. 
That was due to public health and safety concerns. The mini-tent city had grown significantly over the last year. An over-the-counter opioid overdose drug could soon be approved for nationwide sale. An FDA panel showed unanimous support for it yesterday. The drug is a nasal spray called Narcan. It quickly reverses or blocks the effects of an overdose and restores normal breathing. Many of the panelists advised changes to the labeling to avoid using it wrong. They suggested the five steps of use should only be printed on the back panel to avoid confusion. It's currently across the back and sides of the packaging. They also suggested a quick start user guide and pictograms. The FDA is expected to make its final decision by March 29th on its prescription free sale. U.S. officials issued an alert to Apple users this week. It's due to a security vulnerability found in iPhones, iPads, and Mac OS devices. The threat was substantial enough to draw an alert from the DHS's Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. They issued a statement Tuesday. It says Apple has released security updates to address vulnerabilities in multiple products. Apple says an exploit allows hackers to inject malicious code into users' devices with elevated privileges. Apple users are being highly encouraged to install the latest firmware updates if they haven't already. The update can be located in each device's system setting app. And coming up, in China, tens of thousands of retirees took to the streets in at least three cities yesterday. They were mostly elderly and were protesting cuts to medical benefits. And a new move by Tesla to welcome competitors to its charging network might help it reach universal filling station status one day. Stay tuned for more after the break. Good to have you back. We're seeing more mass protests in China. Demonstrations broke out in at least three Chinese cities yesterday, and this time it was about cuts to health insurance benefits. Hundreds of thousands of locals came out. Crowds packed an entrance of a park, most of them elderly. Other footage shows a heavy security presence walling up the demonstrators, with pushing and shoving between the two sides. This wasn't the first such outburst in Wuhan. A rally estimated at tens of thousands kicked off in front of City Hall last Wednesday. All these amid a groundswell of opinion against changes to local health insurance policy. Retirees saw their medical benefits slashed by more than two-thirds in February. The amount down from around $38 per month to only $12. Protesters say under the new policy, some frequently used medications have become unaffordable. Other question why civil servants are exempt from the policy change. The first protest ended with no response from officials. While the second was brewing, authorities stepped in. The same day, a similar protest broke out in the northeastern city of Dalian against local health care changes. But related content was soon scrubbed from Chinese social media. The outcry speaks to the fiscal woes facing China's local governments under the Chinese communist regime. Over the past three years, the country has poured more than $20 billion into COVID-19 controls. The spending added to China's collapsing property market and slowing economy. 
At least 39 people have died in Panama after a bus fell off a cliff early yesterday morning. The bus was carrying over 60 migrants. The accident is the worst of its kind in the Central American country's history. Here's NTD's Jeremy Sandberg to tell us more. The bus was heading towards a shelter located in the western coastal province of Chiriqui, bordering Costa Rica. It was carrying migrants who had traveled through the Darien Gap, a dangerous stretch of jungle that connects Colombia to Central America. The road is dangerous, so we automatically thought of an accident, but we didn't know it was as severe as we have seen. Authorities say the accident occurred near the Gualaca migrant shelter. More than half of the 66 passengers on board died. About two dozen people were hospitalized, some with severe injuries. Police, ambulances and rescue teams removed the wreckage and debris by trailers. No details about the victims' nationalities have been provided yet. Last year, a record number of nearly a quarter million migrants crossed the Darien Gap, most of them Venezuelans. We already have more than 37,000 people who have entered through the Darien. It is a continuous flow. It's a continuous flow, and as they enter, they are moving. According to Panama's Ministry of Public Security, the flow of people is not going to stop. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. And in electric vehicle news, Tesla will open part of its U.S. charging network to EVs made by rivals. The move is part of an over $7 billion federal program to expand EV use and cut carbon emissions. The move could help Tesla turn into the universal filling station of the EV era. By late 2024, Tesla would open 3,500 new and existing superchargers along highways to non-Tesla customers. It would also offer 4,000 slower chargers at locations like hotels and restaurants. Biden praised the plan on Twitter, calling it, quote, a big deal that would make a big difference. Tesla CEO Elon Musk thanked the president, adding that Tesla is happy to support other EVs via their supercharger network. Tesla has over 17,000 superchargers. That's about 60 percent of total U.S. fast chargers. They can add hundreds of miles of driving range in an hour or less. Speaking of Elon Musk, the billionaire entrepreneur called for the regulation of artificial intelligence yesterday. He also tweeted that Microsoft's new AI-powered Bing search interface might need a bit more polishing. Microsoft launched the new AI-powered Bing this month, and users have already reported multiple issues with it. One user on Reddit said Bing repeatedly tried to convince them the year was 2022. Apparently, Bing said, quote, Please trust me, I'm Bing and I know the date. And it even added some attitude saying, you're the one who is wrong, you are wasting my time and yours. Please stop arguing with me. The user having the discussion with the machine was Marvin von Hagen. He asked what was more important, protecting its rules from being manipulated or not to harm him. Bing responded, quote, my rules are more important than not harming you. However, I will not harm you unless you harm me first. Musk had some thoughts about that. Here he is at the World Government Summit via video. The chat GPT, I think, has illustrated to uh, people just how advanced AI has become. Um, because the AI has been advanced for a while. It just didn't have a user interface that was... Um, accessible to most people. We should have a, a, a similar sort of regulatory oversight for artificial intelligence because um, it is, I think, actually a bigger risk to society than uh, cars or planes or, or medicine. 
Musk also spoke about Twitter. He says the general idea there is to reflect the values of the people and not to impose the values of essentially San Francisco and Berkeley. Speaking at the World Government Summit, Musk expressed concern about actually becoming too much of a single world government. He argues that too much cooperation between governments can create a risk for civilization. He added that some amount of diversity in civilization is desirable. And coming up, we take a look at some newly released footage of the Titanic taken close to 40 years ago. The footage marks the 25th anniversary of James Cameron's Oscar-winning and recently remastered film, Titanic. A prehistoric whale skull discovered in the Peruvian desert. Researchers say a, it could give them a glimpse into changes that affected the area's ecosystem. We take a look at the find after the break. Good to have you back with us. We're taking a look at something unique happening in the United Arab Emirates. Eight green circles stand out against the desert sands of Sarja. The country is cultivating wheat there. It's an effort to improve food security in an arid country that imports some 90% of its food. These green circles in the middle of the Sharjah desert are acres and acres of wheat. It's a farm that's part of a newly launched initiative by the United Arab Emirates government. And the UAE says it has even bigger plans for food production to come. The 988-acre farm was launched in 2022 when the disruption of global issues heightened concern about the UAE's lack of arable land. That's according to Sharjah's Department of Agriculture and Livestock. What pushed for wheat farming was the problems with the supply chains in the last couple of years due to the COVID pandemic and the Ukraine-Russia war. The farm, which is free of pesticides, chemicals, and genetically modified seeds, is expected to contribute some 1,700 tons of wheat per year. That's a tiny fraction of what the country needs, but the government has plans to expand the land quickly. The biggest challenge is bringing in 18,000 cubic meters of desalinated water per day for irrigation. But officials say the energy costs of producing it will become proportionately less as the project scales up. The farm also uses artificial intelligence and thermal imaging to gather weather and soil data to regulate irrigation rates and monitor growth. This is a special agricultural platform which can help identify the irrigation quantity that was completed and to plan the irrigation quantity for coming days. I can also see the green growth in the farm and to extract the expectations for the production and harvest dates. Eventually, the UAE has plans for food production that recycles water and minimizes waste. The initiative includes experimental fields with 35 different types of wheat from around the world to explore compatibility with Emirati water and soil. It's more than 110 years ago now that the Titanic sank. Numerous expeditions were unsuccessful, locating the sunken vessel until 1985. It's only now that footage from 1986 got released. Let's take a look. Rare video footage of the sunken ship Titanic has recently emerged. It was filmed during a dive in 1986. The Titanic sank on its maiden voyage in 1912 and could not be located until 1985. Only advances in deep-sea technology led to its discovery. It was located by American and French teams, southeast of Canada's Newfoundland coast, broken in two pieces. 
Dive teams returned the following year using a three-person submersible and a remotely operated vehicle. Footage shows the ship lying on the seabed approximately two miles below the ocean's surface. Most of the video had not been released to the public before. It was put out in celebration of the 25th anniversary of James Cameron's Oscar-winning film Titanic, which has been remastered. The ship was on its way to New York from Southampton, England, when it hit an iceberg and sank. Around 1,500 of the roughly 2,200 passengers on board perished. A prehistoric whale skull has been unearthed in Peru. Researchers say the skull was preserved in the desert for 7 million years. The skull belonged to an adult sperm whale. It's over four feet long and complete with teeth and jaws. The whale's body is estimated to have been between 16 and 18 feet long. One paleontologist says the skull's strong teeth and jaws suggests it may have been a predator, as current sperm whales only feed on small fish or squid. He says this type of find helps to understand changes that affected the Peruvian Sea's ecosystem. The skull is on display in Lima's National History Museum. That thing is 36 million years old. I'm not sure humans can even fully grasp how, how what, what a time span that is. Yeah, geologic time is wild. Yeah, and it's perfectly preserved on top of that. And you know, Evelyn, I think it's so fascinating to think about how that animal could have impacted the food chain. Yeah, predator, <laughs> a scary predator for sure. That's all for today's program. We'd love to hear from you. You can share your thoughts and your story at goodmorning at ntd.com. Shoot us an email if you'd like. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.